Welcome to Siblinghood of Recovery. Hello, recovery community. How are you? Well, we're into the latter part of January of 2023, and the year is already quickly moving at a good, solid pace. So I'm pretty excited to get a couple of interviews on the books. And the one I have for you today is amazing. Alex White, he is the founder of Alex White Counseling and Consulting, and I will put plenty of links in my show notes. I met Alex at an Evoke Therapy Intensive, and the space that he gave both me and the group, I think, was incredibly phenomenal. I know you'll get a sense of the safety and the curiosity that Alex brings forward. And I was motivated because I knew that there was a NARM approach, neuroaffective relational model. Alex goes into that a little bit in the interview. And you can also learn a little bit about it on Alex's website, which is alexwhitecounseling.com. I think this is a phenomenal insight to what you would get with a licensed therapist, which I always encourage on this journey as you're dealing with your child substance use disorder. It is so crucial to also get support for you as an individual in understanding what you're bringing to this journey of recovery for first and foremost yourself and also for the family system. So without further ado, here is my interview with Alex White, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Alex, welcome to Siblinghood of Recovery. It's great to have you here. How are you? Good. Thank you. It's good to be here and good to see you again. Ditto, ditto. So why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, I am Alex White. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor uh, here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, I work um, in a few different fields and settings uh, at the University of Utah Counseling Center. Uh, I work and uh, maintain a private practice here in Salt Lake and also do some work for uh, Evoke Therapy Intensives. And really my emphasis within that is, uh, you know, working in the realm of attachment and um, developmental and complex trauma and, and working to resolve those patterns and impacts. Yes. And that's actually in full transparency. That's where you and I met. That's how I met you. Yeah. And it evoke intensive. I highly recommend it. And um, I had so much come out of that, that I truly feel that I already was on a healing journey, but I truly feel that that it elevated it to a more compassionate level for me. So that was really, that was really beautiful. I do, um, I do want to focus this this podcast on the scope of my journey. And I want to frame it as what I do for the parents who listen is there's a lot of chaos that is going on probably in their lives when they learn that their child has a substance use disorder and it gets overwhelming. So when we do talk about looking at our own traumas and how that can help the family system, that becomes a really broad subject. So I do want to um, open it up to you because there's a lot to untangle in that. Like, how do we heal from that? And how do, where do we even start? Cause it's so big when we first get into this journey. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And and I'll just, you know, give a little bit of background that my um my training and, and specialization really is in the in the field of complex trauma uh, and sort of the impacts thereof. And so how I hold you know, how I hold in any kind of behavior um, or, or pattern that is, you know, self-sabotaging or problematic or, or, you know, painful or causing problems for us in our lives is that it is that that is like the behavior itself is a symptom of, uh, you know, of something underneath that is that is unresolved. And yeah. so for for me, the uh, there are a lot of ways in which to change a behavior pattern. Um, and, and I think, you know, for a lot of people, those are, those are great and really important. And, you know, sometimes that can mean the difference between um, survival and not, you know, and for me that, that word recovery is so important because it speaks not to just stopping a behavior, not just stamping out a symptom, but really moving towards a, healthier and more resolved sense of ourselves in, in the world around us. And so, you know, while somebody is on their own healing journey, their own process in whatever way that looks in, in recovery, right. That there's, you know, changing the behaviors, the symptoms, the, uh, the, you know, substance use or whatever it might be that's going along with that process. And then there's the healing work that's going on as part of the, you know, the individual, the, the, you know, the kid or the, the person who is going through that work on their own. And that can be an opportunity, I think, to try to do some of our own healing as well. Yes. And, and I was thinking, you know, when you're dealing with uh, the behavior, the substance use disorder in and of itself, there's so many factors that are coming at you all at once you know, as a, as a parent, you're maybe dealing with the schools or the neighborhood or the officials, the, the cops, the whatever you want to call it. Right. And so one of the things that I realized quickly is that I had so much input coming in, going into what's underneath the behavior. It's like you're swimming, right. And you can't catch your breath. So you know, there's a lot there. You're more experienced than any of us because you see all of this all the time. How do you slow people down to say, you know what, let's just put the behavior to the side just for a tiny little bit mm -hmm. and let's go a little bit deeper. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> right. <It's awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I mean, for me, I, I think that that is so accurate to, I think, how a lot of us experience, you know, change in our lives, that there are all of these different dynamics and domains that we're, we're trying to address at once. You know, mm -hmm. if it's not somebody in recovery, it's, oh, well, I want my, you know, I want to be different in my job. I want to be different in school. I want to be different in my relationships. I want all of these things together. And it can feel like a, like a game of whack-a-mole, right? Like we're trying to, do all of these things at once. And each of them is, has just as much, you know, immediacy as another. And as much as that is all true and accurate, and I don't mean to, you know, diminish any of the importance of like, you know, working with treatment centers, working with therapists, working with schools, all of those pieces are important. And, 
you know, as the person who's managing that, we are the common denominator among all of those different domains. Yes. And so if we, the extent to which we can start to, you know, heal our own, you know, not even just historically, like the, you know, our own developmental, you know, patterns, because I sort of operate under the the assumption that everybody is, is impacted by complex and developmental trauma. I, as much as every single client I work with. Yeah. And so it's, it's less about like, who is this appropriate for and not, but more just like that we all have healing work to do. And if not, it's not just the historical, it's the work to be done right now, you know, for a lot of parents, like grieving what we perceived parenting would be like. Huge. That is huge. The grief part is a lot of people don't expect that to be in the healing of trauma or the addressing of a behavior. They're thinking, no, no, I'm healing. So there is no grief, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to put that to the side for a second because that can go a long, long way. A whole other conversation. I know. I know. I know. We're in this, I guess, ecosystem of, I love how you said whack-a-mole, a lot of input, you know, how do you get people to first prioritize what's really impacting their ability to see, I have to look deeper than the behavior because the behavior is what's, it's what hurts, I guess. We don't have the tools to deal with it. Well, and and I would just observe there's, I mean, for many people, there's a lot of shame around that. Absolutely. A lot of, you know, again, the recognition that we are out of our element and and that distinction between what we expect of ourselves and what's actually happening can be actually, I mean, as much as it makes so much sense, it is is a really common experience is also makes it a lot harder for us to actually, you know, respond and adapt to the situation. Because in my experience, folks who are in, you know, especially at early stages of this recovery process, the knowing how to like there's a million, you know, books and resources and steps, lots of voices always coming in telling us what the right thing is to do. And, and it's less about, I think it's less about knowing what those things are, but more to with that person who is in a state of struggle to, for them to understand that we're going to walk with them in that uncertainty. And yes, this is something that is going to be hard, but that it's going to be hard for us all and that we we will, you know, we will be there together in it amidst the fact that neither of us really knows what the right path is and what we're going to doing, but at least we can do it together. And I remember you slowing our group down and feeling. Mm-hmm. What is this feeling like? Mm-hmm. You know, and and feelings when you're deep into recovery on either side is a big subject too. Because so many of us, the substance itself is used to not feel at times, right? And then as a parent, you kind of lose control of um, the subtle feelings because it is so elevated, right? So the tools that you use, you know, I kind of know them, (laughs) Uh but I don't know what's behind them all the time. So I wanted to... I wanted to pick your brain on that, trying to get them to see what's underneath the behavior, that part. I mean, there's, you know, one of the things when I was working with more, more younger kids, but I think it still stands true now is there's, 
this idea that, you know, that behavior is communication, that there's, you know, there is a, a reason that we are, each person is doing anything and everything that they might be doing. I might not be the most constructive reason. We might not totally understand it. They might not totally understand it, mm. but there is something underlying that process that is, you know, serving or supporting them. And so our, our goal is not to, I mean, depending on the behavior and the severity of it, there's, you know, what can be just as constructive as actually stopping the behavior is trying to understand like, what is like, what's going on? What's going, what are you communicating for me? And I think that can be true for ourselves too. Although a lot of times it's in some ways it's, it's harder to prioritize that when there's a lot of need outside and in the environment. So, you know, so something like the three circles model is, I think, really important in this situation in that we have to, and I say this recognizing that it's easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. That recognize that a behavior may be communicating something and the the extent to which we start to tell ourselves stories around it. Mm-hmm the harder it's going to be for us to actually show up meaningfully, you know, in the relationship in the way that we're wanting to walk. Oh, to that. wow. Yeah. So to be able to say like, you know, my kid is struggling and this is, you know, incredibly common for parents, right? My kid is struggling in some way that, you know, a part of us thinks, well, I must've done something wrong. Mm. Right. And, you know, and we can tell ourselves all kinds of stories about that. And, you know, I mean, every parent has an impact on their kid. Of course, every parent dents their kid, as as Bradley yeah. say. Um, and you know, and as, so as much as that's a very like understandable narrative that we can we can quickly, you know, adopt for ourselves, that it also makes it harder to actually show up because if we're shaming ourselves, I'm so bad, I'm so terrible, I like I, you know, I'm not doing anything right, that kind of thing, you know, that that and this is where our own healing work comes in, right? To be able to say like these actions, as much as, you know, sure, our relationship, my parenting might have played into it in some way, that ultimately like the action of a person is a person. In some ways, it has to be, right? Because we can't recover for somebody else. I want to, I want to pull that thread just a tiny bit. We can't yeah. recover for somebody else, right? And when you meet so many parents, they're walking in, they've been enmeshed for, you know, months, if not years. And getting that message, we can't recover for somebody else is so important. I know it helped me, mm-hmm. right? And I, I'm fortunate enough where my son has done some incredible work too. And as we become individuals separate from each other, we do start to understand that, you know, our own journeys are just that, Mm -hmm. you know, but getting the parent out of the, I got to take care of my kid. I see the dangers ahead, that fight and flight, getting them to walk into their own space. It's, it's definitely even a physical exercise. I know with you, the way you set us up, there was a physical movement for us of stepping back when we started to venture into getting into somebody's uh, recovery journey, for lack of a better word. And a clear delineation between one person's, you know, space, truth, circle, however we want to define it, and another's, right? Which so often they're right on top of each other. And right on top. how we're feeling is completely defined by either the relationship 
or the other person or whatever it might be. And as much as that's, that makes so much sense. Like I've been in brand intent, like an incredible number of intensives where clients are talking about it, you know, from the, you know, the child in recovery's perspective and saying like, I wish, you know, I wish my, you know, my mom, my parent, my, you know, my dad would have just taken care of themselves. So it didn't feel like I had to, because in this process, they need to take care of themselves. They need to be like, ultimately we can't recover for them and they do need to walk that path on their mm-hmm. own and the extent to which we can take care because of course there's an incredible amount of you know shame and self-criticism that goes into the fact that i you know i need to take this recovery journey in the first place right this you know the, how we might be seen by our parent or how we might be you know impacting their sense of us or if if they feel so bad about you know so ashamed that their kid is now in recovery that they can't do the work for themselves that they're focused on, you know, the parent more than they are on them. That burden. It's a burden. You yeah. know, it really is. And they have the uh, burden of addiction in addition to right. it. In addition you know? to that. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's just crazy because that in and of itself is a, a beast to fight for anybody, right. no matter how old you are. Yeah. It, I really appreciate how Evoke brought that out in clarity for me mm-hmm. is that I have to separate my walk pretty quickly. And separating the walk did not mean like letting go of a caretaker role, right? Even caretakers sounds, um, I don't know, it doesn't, if it sounds right or not. I know that I really work towards walking next to my son, Mm -hmm. walking by his side from that moment on that started the journey there. Mm -hmm. So, but I know you have some some tough cases where people are like, they don't see that circle. So, I mean, how do you bring them out, Alex? My inclination in that, you know, in these situations is to, I guess I sort of operate under the assumption that anytime we are over identifying with somebody else's behavior, um, anytime we are, you know, trying in, you know, either even the the most well-meaning of ways to, you know, control or direct or guide someone more so than, than they want to be themselves. It, it's something in us that we're trying to, to take care of or to heal or to resolve. Like if I'm working with somebody one on one and they're talking, you know, talking about how frustrating and disappointed it is that they're, you know, that their kid is doing X, Y, or Z, right? Which are all valid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, but spending a lot of time in, filtering how how we are feeling about ourselves and about our kid and about the world through the experiences of another which is of course like incredibly like it's a disempowering position to be in it doesn't feel good to you know to have your whole like life and sense of sanity uh based on one person yeah tied to somebody else right but it's something that a lot of us do um that you know i will always bring it back to how are you relating to these experiences? How are you relating to like, what does it mean to you that this person relapsed? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you that, because there's a difference between, you know, the, the, you know, compassionate and support. Like I feel, you know, I feel sad for them that this is really hard. And, you know, on some level for a lot of us, again, like I'm, I could be doing more or I'm doing something wrong or I'm not showing up the way that I, that I should be, or, I should have done X, Y, or Z. Should have, yeah. 
we sort of just pile on the, the, you know, the criticism and judgment of ourselves. Um, when in reality, doing what we need, like taking care of ourselves and being okay, whether somebody's doing great in recovery or whether they're relapsing and struggling is really important. They need to know that we will be okay and we will be there for them. Yeah. If they're doing great or if they're having troubles. And we need to relearn what we've been taught so much, you know, growing up, like, I think a lot of parents were taught that the world is scary. The world has always been scary. You know, if, if you read Genesis in the Bible, you'll be like, Oh my gosh, that, that just, that was nuts. <laughs> no, really, you know, so it's not like anything's changed drastically. Right. Yeah. But it's, I think it's scaled out, obviously, um, cause we're in a different time. I know a lot of parents have to repeat. They have to repeat what they're learning from, from y'all, from all these parent groups. So the concept of going back to therapy, maintaining therapy with a, a good therapist, it's mm-hmm. the repetition that really does help get the message across because I think the reaction of certain situations brings us right back to where we may, to, may have started. And that's just human. That's the human condition. Yeah. Well, if there's a pat, you know, if it's like whatever patterns and strategies, I sort of operate under this idea of like, we grow up in an environment that in its own way struggles to meet our needs. Right. And I think, again, this is true. I think for all of us, me as much as anybody. And we learn to adapt. We learn to survive. We figure out strategies that are incredibly ingenious for the time. We don't sit there logically as kids and say, okay, I'm going to like, you know, quiet all my needs down so that <laughs> so that I don't rock the boat. But we just, we just learn to do that because that's what the environment, you know, expects requires. Us. Yep. And, you know, and, and so we continue doing that until we don't anymore. And, and so even so, like there's, you know, 30, 40, 50 years of patterning of doing, you know, these kinds of things to be able to say like, okay, well, you know, I'll get into do a little therapy. And then usually it's something really stressful or something really important that brings us back to that old strategy, because trying to engage with something that's really important or really stressful and intense Mm -hmm. new way, a part of us feels scared by because it's unpredictable. Like as much as it hurts to shame and criticize and pressure ourselves that it also, I mean, if we've been doing it for 30 or 40 or 50 years, like a, like a, you know, a useful pattern that at the very least got us to this point. And Mm -hmm. so I see, you know, I see therapy work as, I mean, I'm in my own therapy because I, for this very reason that, that I, I think it's like we as people never want to stop growing. No, we, 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 we never, we're never done. We're never finished products. And I think that construct or that idea is, is problematic. And I think really damaging in a lot of ways. And so like, whether you're in therapy or whether you're in spiritual practices or meditation or whatever it might be, we are, we, we want to keep growing. And so there are times where like, well, it might not involve therapy for a period of time. And then it might again. And yeah, those are all, I think, the relationship that we have to that sense of of growth and treatment where like, I need to be at this level of severity or intensity or, you know, unfunctionality in my life in order to like deserve therapy has its own problematic elements. I think we're in a shift actually towards 
yeah. um, being able to express emotions a little bit better, you know, and I, and I know that we're definitely in a shift towards the male being able to express their emotions. I mean, I, everybody knows I'm a football fan, but when the Buffalo Bills player got hurt, you know, there were men crying on the field for this guy, very comfortable th- uh, expressing their emotions. And I feel that there's a shift towards this is happening inside me and I'm going to let the world know, right? So I'm hoping that as as we change culturally with that, that we're able to express more of what is, like you say, what's going inside of us to make us react to the behavior that we're seeing with our kids and taking it off of them, like Brad says so many times. Mm-hmm. Stop putting all of our stuff on them. From every, what little I've learned, only a couple of years in this, they need that space to kind of figure out what's going on. I know that you helped a lot of um, people in the group that we were in to, to realize, you know, my circle's the safest place to be. <laughs> mm. It's actually scary being in the other circle because mm. it's so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I I hope I'm staying in my circle more. I think I am. Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah. I think that kind of thing is is you know, and I and I I recognize as I say this again that like it, so much of this is ongoing work, mm. right? There are things that you know, even for me, very aware of these models, have been in working in the therapeutic field for you know close to fifteen years now. Like this kind of thing is. It, like I still have my triggers. I still have oh, everybody situations does. that stress me and strain me and that kind of thing. And, you know, and so it's less about, I think it's less about not having those experiences. Like those, those experiences are just humanity. I think it's about how we relate to ourselves during those experiences. Like, do we look at this as, Oh, I'm going back to those old patterns and here's another excuse to like shame or judge myself or, yeah. okay, there's a part of me in this moment that just wasn't feeling safe or wasn't feeling okay. And rather than criticizing or pressuring myself, like maybe there's something I could do to, to like take care of myself, take care of myself, yeah. uh, that part that feels unhealed or, or unresolved. Yeah. And, and going back to another, you know, find your people, right? My parent group that I'm in, Mm. there's no reason to shame yourself. None at all. And you just pick up the phone. If you've got a good parent group, if you've got a good group of people, they'll be like, yeah, it happens. It's Mm. okay. We're here again. It's okay. Guess what? You know, we, we can step forward again. Nobody's going to tell you to stay in that step back that you just took. Nobody's telling you to stay there. Yeah. It's all right. So there's, there's Which been is a the lot. same role that we're wanting to fill for the person in recovery, right? Which like, is ironic, isn't it's it? It's a parallel process. Yeah. Like we are reaching out to our people who can support us and, and, you know, with a level of unconditionality, right? Mm, yes. They're not taking on our problems. And that's in, in the same way. That's how we want to show up with, you know, the people in our lives who are struggling. Absolutely. I've never, and I've, I've grown closer to some people, the raw honesty. I love it. It's so beautiful and it's tender. Mm. It's a raw tenderness. Mm. Hey, look, I I see this. I can't help you with it, but I'm here. 
you know, it's, it's been pretty cool. I am going to, I remember the one thing and the group said this too, you know, <laughs> you have this incredible ability to contain. Mm-hmm. You can just, Alex, man, there were some really precarious moments and you had the ability to hold such wonderful, warm space. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I, I, I want to thank you for it. I also want to know, how did you learn to do that? Or is that just a natural gift? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, thank you. That, that means a lot to hear that. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I Within some of the, the trauma trainings that I do, uh, one of the, the trainers likes to use this phrase that, you know, these strategies that we develop as you know, as kids before we ever plan to, as much as they can cause problems in certain areas of our lives, um, can also sort of be our superpowers. Um, Oh, I like that. (laughs) Like there, you know, and so for me, there was an amount of, um, I got very good at tracking and, and understanding and even just intuiting how people were feeling. Um, kind of guiding how I was showing up based on that. And obviously there are certain situations when that's not appropriate or relevant, right? Like somebody, you know, in, in it, I don't always need to be subjugating or, or, you know, guiding my experience based on another person's, but, and so, you know, my work has been learning to have that as a tool in my toolbox rather than, you know, something that characterizes every, every interaction in my life. But at the same time, what I've, what I've come to recognize is that that is also what I see as allowing me to, or supporting me in showing up in a way that is deeply authentic and can really, you know, without having to fix it. Cause I think that's been part of the work too, particularly in my relationships, but also professionally, you know, to recognize and, and feel deeply what, you know, what is going on within an individual or in a space as, as best I can, um, without having to, without expecting myself to fix it. That's been the more recent development, you know, and I think this is true for my own, my own therapy work, my own healing is that, you know, it is much more meaningful for me to have somebody who can sit with me in, the hardest parts and the most uncomfortable spaces and, but allow me to still have my experience with it because as much as it's hard, it's also real and it's authentic. And yeah, I'd rather see my role as a, as a, and you know, somebody who can show up and, and as you said, walk side by side with somebody in, you know, hard things and scary things and allow us to have it because sometimes things are hard and scary. Um, they are. Yeah. But no, that they don't, you know, that we don't have to do that alone. And, you know, right now I'm, I, I'm letting go of a lot of things right now and letting go doesn't mean walking away. Mm. It doesn't at all. It's, it's, it's a tricky thing to say to people because they, they think that you're walking away from them or leaving them, but it's not, it's, it's more so letting go of what maybe my internal expectations are Mm -hmm. of a relationship or of an engagement or of an event. And, and instead, like you said, 
you know, sitting with the person and not feeling that you have to fix them. And I think the world is so fast paced today that we have to react so quickly. But the human part is, is that presence and sitting with people and being in the human condition, which, which is uncomfortable sometimes. Really uncomfortable. Sure. So there's, there's just, there's a lot there, but yeah, that was, yeah. So, well, I am going to kind of close this. Cause I know you're busy and everything, but before I, I close it up, I would love it if you kind of gave an overview of resources and what you recommend to the parents. This is mostly for the parents just entering the journey because there's a whole big world out there that they're about to discover really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I, I, I think for, me, one of the, again, I, I, I see, you know, addiction within the broader landscape of, of trauma recovery and trauma healing. Um, and so, so that's sort of how my lens is, is informed. So my background is in a model called the neuroaffective relational model, which incorporates some attachment dynamics and somatic elements yeah. and all these kinds of things. And, with that, there's, you know, there's a couple of great books that have um, recently, well, one was in 2011, and one came out last year, 2022, the 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 more newer of which is the practical guide for healing developmental trauma, which is really has been relevant for a lot of therapists I've worked with and connected to but also but also clients like, you know, mm-hmm. it, I, I think it is written in a way that is accessible to the extent that you know it doesn't you don't need to have a clinical background in order Excellent. to you know in order to benefit from it you know and really find that that as a a great foundation for for a lot of the principles that we've talked about for this you know this idea of uh, you know how we tend to shame ourselves and and that that is a strategy for you know, in its own way, surviving and sustaining in an environment that that was overwhelming for us when we were little and how those patterns sustain and subsist in other relationships in our lives and and how we how we tend to take on the difficulties and frustrations of others, particularly people that we really love. Mm -hmm. It's hard for us to sit with them in in that without trying to fix it. Um, and so I think there's, there's a lot there in, in that, that I think may be relevant, you know, the, the finding you podcast with, with Dr. Oh, yeah. is, is, you know, probably about 400 episodes now worth of, uh, content and information. Oh yeah. So there's, there's plenty out there that, that, uh, you know, within that, that, um, speaks to a lot of these same dynamics that we've been talking about, which I think is, is kind of cool. And a little bit, you know, in my experience, maybe not as, common a perspective as it pertains to to you know this kind of work like i find that there's a lot a lot of the resources out there are very behavioral in nature of like oh we'll just you know if we just develop a practice or we just do this or we just do that or that kind of thing and and for me in some ways that feels sort of invalidating like just with my own experience like well if i could just do all the things and change my way of thinking about it i would have done that already yeah it's not easy so i i like these these you know these mindsets that have that look to the underlying dynamics of how we're relating to ourselves and how we're relating to others. You know what I thought of Alex, when you were talking about healing and I thought about 
the little people that we talk about when we're in in the group sessions, like the little people being our ourselves as as a child, right? And then I realized at that moment that if if I'm a child and I'm reacting to survival situations, how am I going to be that adult that's needed sometimes for myself, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, all right, Angie, we're we're just not going to go down that road. We're going to go over here. Yeah, <laughs> you got to get at least a, a couple adults in the room if you want to help heal heal the little people behavior. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the leaders. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, and the little person deserves so much. Mm. They really, really do. They deserve, you know, I, I remember this. The, oh, boy. <sighs> um, When you said uh, you as a little kid, just hold her hand. Mm. And it was just a beautiful moment because mm. that stuff is um the NARM therapy. It helps you go there. It helps you go into a lot of deep places and you're going to be better and stronger for your kid. If you can kind of go to those areas you know? and for yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> you got me back on that track. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, Dad, do you have anything? Are you going to write anything in the future? Are you, are you making any plans for that or? I am right now. I'm pretty, I really love the clinical work that I'm doing. Um, you're good at it. (laughs) Thank you. I like, um, I like the, the intensive that feels like a very different way and, and a more, a more intensive way of working with people. It, you know, as opposed to our, our typical, you know, 50 minute sessions, which can be great as well. I started the NARM training in 2020 and did have taken trainings in that every year since. So I'm, I'm now going into my second installation of the master's training because I'm Ooh. so enamored with it and, and I'm working and I'm, I'm starting next year as a training or this year as a training assistant as well. So really love, I, I think for me, that work has been so powerful, not just in how I like show up in my, my work clinically, but really with that and, and similar styles of model, you can't really be effective in it without doing your own work too. So yeah, it's a matter of uh, like, I have grown as much personally by virtue of, of that training as I have uh, professionally. And so Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, well, I'm just going to keep going with that until I can. Um, and so for me, I, I, I really love working with people one-on-one in a pretty, pretty traditional setting. I'm, I'm collaborating with some folks here in Salt Lake to begin, um, a, uh, a group therapy practice, um, in the sort of early stages of that still with revolving around this idea of, you know, complex and developmental trauma. Good. And, and, you know, really looking forward to, building that out and providing a setting in which a work setting that can embody a lot of these same values that we're talking about, not only just when the work we do with clients, but sort of how it, how it operates organizationally. Um, Yes. Good. Yeah. So those are my, those are my pursuits right now. I'm looking forward to, you know, what the next steps uh, will be in that and uh, exploring the mountains around here, taking my dog for walks and, and, you know, trying to, 
do my own healing work. Oh, that's good. Those are good plans. And I, and I, I wish you the best of the, especially the group, uh, the group practice and developing a community and in, in the organization that's, that's healthy. And there's a lot of companies that see that that is so needed because there's a lot of dysfunction that's parlaying into the work uh, environment. And, you know, we've got to recognize that too. Is that your dog in the background? Yeah. She just, she, she heard her name. <laughs> she heard her name. Like there. Oh my gosh. She's so cute. My little, my little <laughs> pandemic puppy. She is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Alex, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And if anybody wants to reach you, where can they do that? Probably the most consistent way would be, let's see, either email. Uh, I guess it's it's Alex at Alex White Counseling. So all one word dot com. Yeah, have a have an Instagram account that for the time being is is uh well I don't know how much uh, we I may rebrand but for the time being it's Alex at uh, Alex dot Adventure TX okay um, like Adventure Therapy because that's also part of my background which we haven't gotten into today so but yeah yeah happy to chat with folks um and connect over email or that kind of thing and good and, you know, be a resource in whatever way I can. Well, thank you, Alex. I know you were great for me and you're going to do some amazing stuff in the future. I just know it. Thank you. It's good to, good to see you again. All right. You take care. Yeah. Bye. To connect with me, you can follow me on Instagram, Siblinghood of Recovery. You can also hit up my website, www.siblinghoodofrecovery.com. Most of all, remember, be good to yourself and do the work because it does work. All right. I'll talk to you later.